Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. I'm your host, Josh Raley. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. This episode is coming out uh, two days late. Yeah, two days late. So uh, sorry about that. If you were looking for your regular Tuesday morning drop of an episode, I've gotten myself a little bit behind here, but uh, I've got a few episodes now in the in the reserves if you will. Got a good episode here for you this week. I talk with Brian Anderson, the Tick Terminator. Now, this time of year, temps are starting to warm up just a bit. Folks are starting to get outside for hiking and camping. And obviously, one of my favorites, turkey season. And that means one thing, that is ticks are going to be on the move. Basically, if it's above freezing, you can count on ticks being on the move. Now, aside from being just incredibly gross critters and, uh, you know, giving me the creepy crawlies, ticks carry all kinds of bad stuff, namely Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, uh, can give you alpha-gal syndrome, all this stuff that you do not want as an outdoorsman, things that will not only make you sick but will really mess with your day-to-day function, potentially impact your uh, work life, your home life, your outdoors and hobby life, that can really mess you up. So tick prevention and avoiding tick-borne illnesses is a huge, huge deal, something we all need to pay attention to. So that's why I wanted to have Brian Anderson on to talk about what we can do as outdoorsmen as we head into spring to keep ourselves healthy and happy and away from those little bloodsuckers. I do not like them at all. So after listening to today's episode, if you want to learn more from Brian, head over to LimeTickBugHub.com. That's LimeTickBugHub.com. Dot com where you can find all kinds of tick and lime info. You can find out about repellents. You can find out more about Brian and hopefully learn what you need to do to keep yourself tick-free this spring. Now, heading right into the episode, I do want to say thanks to our partners. First of all, we're going to talk about Huntworth. Right now, they've got a great deal going on heading into turkey season to get you geared up and ready. You can get 20% off if you just use the code TRKYM20. That's TRKYM20. 20 all caps on those letters that's going to get you 20 percent off of any of the camo that you want to get right now and if you spend over 200 you're also going to get free shipping so those savings just kind of add on to each other now you've heard me brag on this camo a ton so i'm not going to go too far into detail i do recommend though that heading into turkey season you pick up some of their lightweight gear and i really really like their tarnin pattern that for me right now is kind of the uh the secret sauce for staying concealed and it's what i'm going to be wearing this turkey season. Also, big shout out to Tacticam, our title sponsor. They too have some pretty sweet deals going on right now to get you geared up for turkey season. They've got their ultimate turkey package for just $2.99. What that's going to get you is the 6.0 camera, the barrel mount, and an SD card that you know is going to work perfectly in your Tacticam camera. One thing guys don't pay enough attention to, I think in their trail cameras as well as their 
video cameras that they're using to try to capture their hunts, they don't pay a lot of attention to the quality of SD card. Well, if you buy one from Tacticam, you can rest assured it's gonna work in your Tacticam products. So head over to their website right now, take advantage of this ultimate turkey package. You save like 75 bucks when you buy the 6.0 camera, the barrel mount, and the SD card all together. And while you're there, check out their other stuff. They've also got the Solo Extreme camera. If you're looking for a more budget-friendly option, they also have the Reveal X Pro cell cameras, which, man, I love those things. Now I'm gonna make a big ask of you as a listener. Please go support the brands that support this show. We couldn't do what we do here without Tacticam, without Huntworth, without these great brands that help us make this show possible. So please do go support them, show them some love, and get yourself geared up for turkey season because it's right around the corner. I can't hardly stand it anymore. I'm watching YouTube videos right now, watching Dave Owens and the hunting public and Shane Simpson smashing birds from last year. I'm looking at uh, social media, seeing folks down there in Florida getting it done right now, and I'm absolutely chomping at the bit. Now I'm gonna get to get out in about, oh man, nine days. Nine days from, from when you're listening to this, assuming you listen on the day it releases. Nine days from now, I am going to be in the woods with my son trying to get him his first bird. So, uh, yeah, man, it's right around the corner. Get geared up, get ready, get excited. Now let's jump into today's show with Brian Anderson, the Tick Terminator. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is Brian Anderson, the Tick Terminator. Brian, how are things in your world today? Oh, doing good today, Uh Oh, just it's a joy to be here. I love talking about ticks, even though uh, when I start talking about them, uh, the people listening to me start to get a little creepy crawly. Uh, so if that's you listening, uh, that's that's normal, you know. So yeah, hang in there. Well, I got some good information. Yeah, well, man, you know, I gotta so. say, I never anticipated or, or never thought that you know I would one day be doing an episode totally devoted to ticks, tick prevention, and uh, all of that. So I was so glad that you reached out. Uh, initially and just said, Hey, I, you know, I'd love to come on your show because this is a topic I never saw myself covering, uh, at least from someone who's an expert, you know, I, I would probably say, Hey guys, don't get bit by ticks. But beyond that, I don't really know what to tell people. So I was really glad that you reached out, that you were willing to come on the show. Remind me again, where are you based? I live in Iron Mountain, Michigan, basically 10, a hundred miles straight North of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely a rural area. I'm a hunter myself, uh, especially, uh, you know, uh, rifle season, deer, deer season and November 15th in our area is like a holiday, you know? Yep. Uh, I look forward to that. So it's great to talk with other hunters here. Cause you know, I can relate because I am one too. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. So here's, here's where yeah. we have to start. Okay. How in the world did you get into what you're doing? As I, as I look around, I don't see people who are, I, I don't see job advertisements for like, Hey, come be our next tick terminator. I don't see people who are like, we'd like to find a, you know, a, a conference speaker on ticks. Like this is really, really unique. So I feel like there's gotta be a story here. Oh yeah. There's always a story, you know, well, it started off with, with, uh, when I was a little kid, I had a, a strange and unusual fascination with it, with these little blood suck environments we call ticks. And at the time, I lived downstate Michigan. Uh, I was born in Upper Michigan, and I was living downstate. And my parents would go up to visit their, you know, my, my grandparents up here in Iron Mountain in the Upper Peninsula. And uh, they had these little ticks. And to me, it was fascinating because it was different than a mosquito where you could watch a mosquito land on you, and you could feel it bite you, 
and then you slap it, and you know you, the blood would splot on, on your on your arm, and you knew about it. But ticks are very stealthy and secretive, and they get on us and they crawl around. They don't make any noise, and then uh, God gave them a special little uh, saliva that they spit on our skin before they dig their head into us, so we don't even feel it because it numbs our skin. So uh, when I was a little kid, I remember uh, uh, my mom at at night. Uh, I'm one of three boys. Uh, we would uh, strip down and nothing but a smile, you know, and uh, you were a little five, six years old. And uh, she'd do a tick check on us. And tick checks are very important. And on occasion, she'd find them and pull them off. And we never, ever, ever had a problem with them. Lyme disease, we didn't hear about it uh, in the 60s. Uh, and no problems. It just We didn't have any problems at all with them. So, uh, you know, fast for another couple of years, I marry my wife. I bring her up there. Uh, because my grandparents had passed away. We moved there in 79 when we got married. And uh, her first experience with ticks were just crazy because she was an outdoor you know, person like I was. But, you know, I got all kinds of stories. But anyways, <laughs> probably 10 years ago, <laughs> I, mean, I got crazy stories that I give when I give conferences and presentations. So if I figure, say, if you can laugh and learn about ticks, that's the best way to do it. But anyways, about 10 years ago, uh, I kind of had a, even a renewed interest in them. And I would start uh, bringing them in the house, literally bring ticks in the house. I know you got to be crazy to do that <laughs> and put them on a white carpet in the basement and just playing with them and trying to get them to, to, to move around. I, I brought, you know, different cleaning products from under the sink. You know, uh, how would they react to this cleaning product? How would they react to this or that or smells and things like that? So anyways, we start playing in the basement with, with the grandkids and uh, with the ticks on a white carpet. And I just wanted to find out how they, how they react to different smells. Could I get them to, uh, to uh, go to something that was like their chocolate, okay? Uh, so if I bring them in the house and I have them on myself, is there something that I could, uh, some smell that I could get that would have them come off of me and go to that chocolate, so to speak, you know? And guess what? There ain't nothing they like better than our own blood. <laughs> So once they're honest, they're going to keep looking around until they find a good spot to suck our blood. So, and then I bumped into permethrin about the same time one of my buddies was really struggling with Lyme disease. And, uh, I mean, Lyme disease is just awful. It's, it's terrible. That's just one disease that they can carry. They can carry a lot of them. But that's one of the probably worst. And uh, that kind of got me going into more research and looking into it. And uh, then I developed a website uh, probably in about 2016 is when I had the idea, you know, I should make a website on this stuff because there's so much information out there about Lyme disease, which is great that they need that support. But what about prevention? What about yeah. keeping them off you, you know, so they don't, so I, I always say, if you keep a tick off, you can't get bit. If you can't get bit, you can't get Lyme or any, or any other tick-borne disease. So, I'm looking around for prevention. There was hardly anything out there. And I'm not, I'm not a rocket scientist or a genius. I'm just a regular guy like anybody else with a strange fascination on these whole things. <laughs> so I started putting this stuff together. It took me about a year to put a website together of just all kinds of different things, you know, called the tick terminator is what it's called now, uh, .com. But anyways, uh, it is a spot where people can go and, and learn a lot about ticks, uh, prevention, you know, products and stuff like that. And then it started molting into other things after this. I didn't know how it was going to go five years ago, five, six years ago. So then I started bumping into like uh, 
linemen, outdoor workers, and thinking that, you know, I bet you they could really, they, they need to know about this kind of stuff. And so I just end up talking to a safety director at one power company, and that's kind of where the light bulb, you know, the aha moment came on. And I thought, you know, I need to start talking to more of these guys so that they can teach their people out in the field, like the linemen and the stakers and the, and the people who cut trees. Uh, they call it vegetation management. Uh, so that's basically how that started and evolved through a lot of uh, trial and error, a lot of prayer, and I'm not kidding about that. <laughs> and that's kind of how it's molted in this. And I'm really the only one that does that in the country that's been taught by themselves. The only other people who talk about this stuff uh, have PhDs in endemology, you know, and uh, they're wonderful. I mean, they're extremely knowledgeable, but I don't talk like that because I'm not that. I'm self-taught and uh, spent hundreds of hours on this kind of stuff. And so that's what I work with now. I'm probably even going to be going into some school systems even now too. I'm just working on that in the last couple of weeks of teaching young kids. Hey, when you're out there and you get ticks on you doing tick checks or, or using product called permethrin, uh, or how do you take a tick off? Those things we'll get into even today. How important those different things are to help you avoid having problems with them. So that's kind of how that's, that's gone, and that's what I do a lot with, with safety directors. I speak at safety conferences uh, across the country, and it's just a blast, you know, and then be called the Tick Terminator, and having your logo as a tick in the shape of a hand grenade, <laughs> which is uh, really a lot of fun, you know, so I, yeah. I get a real kick out of it now. It's a blast. Yeah, I find this fascinating, not only, and I was telling you this before we started recording, not only because of what you do and it's so unique, but you really carved out uh, because of a passion, because of a genuine curiosity, because of a desire to learn and share that knowledge with other people, you've carved out this whole lane for yourself, which I think is just is just fantastic. I, I, I love that story. So you mentioned back when you were a kid, you know, you'd come in, your mom would strip you down, get any ticks off of you, and you guys never really had... <clears throat> excuse me, and you guys never really had any issues with, you know, ticks or tick-borne illnesses. It seems like in the last decade, two decades, maybe even three, um, ticks, tick-borne illnesses, and just the prevalence of ticks in general uh, has seemed to skyrocket. Have you noticed that? Oh, and, and what would you attribute that to? Well, yeah, Lyme disease, I mean, was, was actually uh, given a name in the mid-70s uh, in a little town in, in the Connecticut, actually called Lyme, Connecticut. That's where it gets its name. Oh. Because there were some adolescent kids that had this strange arthritic type of condition, achy joints, flu-like symptoms that is so uh, normal with, with Lyme, that the mothers there really pushed the medical community to kind of come to some sort of uh, uh, an issue with, you know, so that they could... They can help their kids, you know, do what mothers do. They want, to, want the good health for the kids. So that's where it's got its name. And over the decades since then, it seems like it's gotten in the worse. Uh, New England is, is the, the hot spot for Lyme disease, uh, where you've got, you know, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and, uh, Connecticut, you know, uh, 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 New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, going down to Virginia. Uh, those are the, the worst spots for for Lyme disease, but there's other tick-borne diseases too. The, the second worst spot, I mean, during, for them, during the last 25 years, they've seen a 300% increase in Lyme cases. Where I live in upper Midwest, upper Midwest, you know, meaning uh, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin,
Michigan, down in Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. Uh, we're the second worst spot. During the last 25 years, we've seen a 250% increase in Lyme cases. So there's a, there's a real problem there. Uh, but, I mean, they say that uh, maybe the, the temperature change, I hate to say global warming because I don't get into that kind of stuff, but let's say uh, it's a little warmer, uh, longer, so sometimes we have a later fall and an earlier spring. Uh, that gives ticks a longer chance to live and look for a host because most of our ticks in, in this upper part of the country usually eat one time a year. They have one blood meal a year. Wow. Uh, That's all. So, yeah, w- once a year. I mean, I should get into I mean, when do you want? I can get into the life cycle of a tick. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and jump there. So, I, I think – you know, Lyme disease is obviously the big one. There are lots of other diseases, tick-borne illnesses that, that we um, obviously want to avoid. And I'm sure they'll come up throughout the course of conversation. But I'm curious now to hear about that life cycle of a tick, hearing that they only have one meal a year, like you might be the only thing that they feast on. What does that look like and how long do they live? Okay, the way it happens is, is a female tick gives birth, usually in the middle of summer, to anywhere between... 1,000 to 5,000 eggs at a time. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just disgusting. I mean, I say, Lord, why not just 100? Why does that be in the thousands? That's horrifying, yeah. So anyways, so they're in the shape of an egg. After a couple weeks, they break out of that egg, and like any newborn at that point, they're looking for something to eat. Now, they're on the forest floor, so their options are pretty limited. Uh, In the northern areas, it's typically going to be their first host is normally going to be a white-footed mouse because it's really close to the ground. They'll never get on the deer at that point. So they get on this white-footed mouse, start sucking the blood out of it, and the germ pathogens from that white-footed mouse that go into the tick is what actually gives it the, a disease if they're going to get it. They're typically not born with any disease. They're pretty much disease-free. So they get it from their first, from the white-footed mouse, which is normally the, the, the problem, okay? So after a few days, they, they get off the white-footed mouse, and they do whatever ticks do, which ain't a whole lot. I mean, <laughs> they just kind of sit back and bask in the, in the satisfaction of just uh, feasting on the full belly deli, you know, of that little white foot of mouse. And they kick back and they uh, molt into their next series that fall, that winter, and then they grow two more legs. So the next spring they come out with eight legs. So that eight legs makes them part of the arachnid family. They're part of the, part of the spider family, Okay. So that next spring they come out, so they had their meal last year on the white-footed mouse. This year they're going to come out uh, as the size of a poppy seed. Now think about that. Wow. A poppy seed could be on your shoelace, and you couldn't even hardly see it. So if that tick got Lyme disease the summer before, and now it's the size of a poppy seed, it's just as lethal as a full-grown adult if it were to get on you. So it may get on your shoe and start crawling up you, up your pants or whatever, and if they latch on and you don't notice it and they're on you for a couple days, a lot of times you may get a tick-borne disease. Now, not all ticks have them, you know, uh, diseases. They have them more in different areas, like some may have a higher percentage, some may not have any, Uh, so not every tick is going to give you something bad. So anyways, they, they look for their host for that year. Could be us, could be, you know, a little environment, uh, so they do that. Then they molt into the next series that fall, that winter, and they just kind of kick back after they had their feast. And the next spring, they come out as a full-grown adult. Okay, now they're going to look for something a little bigger. It could be us. It could be a deer. Uh, a lot of times they'll get on a bigger animal like that. Uh, let's say they get on the deer for their feast for that year. 
and uh, the male is on there too. Typically, the female is the one that's gonna gonna bite us. Okay, uh, but if they say they get on a deer, and I, I'm sure you've seen ticks on deer before. Oh yeah. And uh, you know that, that we get. But anyways, uh, uh, they're on the deer, and after they feed, then the, the male and the female will mate right on the deer. Okay. So they ride the deer for the rest of the winter. The next spring, the male gets off and he dies. The female gets off and she gives birth, you know, in June to anywhere between uh, 1,000 to 5,000 ticks. And that's enough to kill anybody. And she dies. <laughs> so their life cycle is approximately three years. And they have to eat once a year. That's our tick up here in pretty much the eastern half of the United States. Now, there's other ticks, let's say, out in the western parts of the country uh, that are a little different. Uh, they may eat here. Let, let's say somebody's out backpacking or hunting or camping and, and, uh, and they uh, see an old trapper shack or, you know, some kind of old dwelling uh, from years gone by. And they say, Hey, that's pretty good. I'm going to stay in there, put the sleeping bag in there. And uh, they don't know that there's a little uh, squirrel nest or some kind of little varmint nest up in the corner. And there could be ticks in there in that varmint nest. Okay. So those ticks come down at night and then we'll feed on the unsuspecting person sleeping in there for about a half an hour. Then they go back, and you don't even know you got bit until a couple of days later when you start to have some symptoms of uh, maybe Rocky Mountain spotted fever or some kind of tick-borne disease out there. So it's crazy. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. How are these ticks finding the host? I mean, first of all, that blows my mind that they live multiple years. I thought for sure that they, I, I don't know, died off or something for the year and then came back, but <clears throat> obviously that was incorrect. How do they find a host? Well, what, what they do is they typically a, a tick, like on, on our era, the eastern half of the United States, is normally going to go up on a piece of lower vegetation like grass, okay? They sit there on it, they call it questing. Oh, that's a, that's a big name. Anyways, they sit there on that grass, and they got eight legs, so six of them kind of wrap around that blade of grass, and the other two kind of sit with their, 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 uh, their legs out, and they kind of they have very poor eyesight, but, I mean, they can smell really good. They can sense vibrations, and as an unsuspecting person comes by, they, they are a very rude and, and egotistical hitchhiker. They don't even ask permission. They just <laughs> latch on when something comes by. You know, it could be us, could be some sort of little uh, little varmint. A lot of times they will stay by trails, you know, like game trails yeah. or walking trails uh, because they congregated there over the years and decades because that's where their hosts, you know, uh, their, their blood meals are going to frequent more often. 
So uh, they like shaded areas better than sunny areas. Uh, so that's kind of how it's going to be. And then they get, that's why I tell people when you, well, when you uh, get ready, you know, to, to, to treat your clothes, uh, do all, you know, everything. But anyway, that, that's, does that make sense what I'm saying there now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So they just kind of hang out and wait for either vibrations or just something to pass by. They latch on at that point. And that's really interesting that you said they hang out by trails. I've noticed that if I am um, walking through the woods, let's say, and for part of the time I'm hiking on a, on a designated trail or a well, a well beaten path, that's where I get the ticks. If I get off in the woods and bushwhack for an hour, I get far fewer ticks off in the woods than I do on a well-established hiking trail, it seems. Okay. That, I can understand that. That makes but a lot yeah, of sense. But yeah, if you're on a hiking trail that is just dirt, obviously you won't get them, but you have to go through the brush to get them. Yep. Also keep in mind that they do, they do not jump. They don't fly. They don't drop out of trees. Uh, they just basically sit on lower vegetation, typically, you know, like – Knee high, approximately or less, uh, is is normally where they're going to be. So, because if you have one on your shoulder, that means it crawled all the way up there. Wow, that's creepy. That, they don't. Yeah, that <laughs> that's just how it is. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That, that's that's a tick for you, man. So let's let's talk a little bit now about uh, how we can begin to prevent some of this. I mean, I I hate. It's one of the reasons that I didn't turkey hunt for a long time was because I didn't want to be in the woods in the spring when I felt like there were ticks and stuff all around. Uh, how are you going about preventing some of these things from getting off? I mean, especially you hear one female can produce 1,000 to 5,000 young. I mean, my goodness, it seems like the odds are stacked against us. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a lot. Thank, thank goodness they don't all live or <laughs> the, the woods would just be crawling with them. Yeah. And there are spots I know where people have just, they walk through and they just are infested with them in some, in some spots. Okay. For whatever. I mean, people just brush off hundreds of them literally sometimes, Wow, uh, which is just disgusting. But most of the time it's not that way. Uh, anyways, uh, I tell people the, uh, the best way to never get a tick is never go outdoors, <laughs> but that's not your audience. That's for sure. sure. You know what I mean? Yep. We're outdoors people. Uh, so anyways, uh, staying on paths, you know, is one way you're not going to get them, you know, like a dirt path, you're never going to get them. But we're hunters, so we go through the brush. We do the bushwhacking. I mean, that's that's we love the woods, uh, and that's fun for us. So uh, the best way to to uh, ha- not have many ticks on us is to use a product called permethrin. Uh, and I think you're, you're familiar with that too, and especially if we're talking to turkey hunters, because turkey hunters are uh, – so susceptible to ticks, it's not even fun. I mean, they literally sit on the ground at the worst time of year for ticks, and uh, <laughs> and they got to be still. And I, I hear people all the time say, man, I had ticks crawling all over me. Uh, but when they use permethrin, it works differently. The way permethrin works, it was created in the mid-'70s, okay? Uh, and it was uh, four, four different applications. One of them was for farmers to put in their crops, keep bugs off. Another one is for farmers to keep in their cattle to keep to put in the cattle to keep bugs off. Another one is for doctors to use for licensed scabies. And the fourth way, the fourth combination, was uh, to put on clothes. And the cool thing about permethrin is that you don't have to put it on every day. I treat my deer hunting clothes at the beginning of the season, and it's good for weeks. Okay. Wow. And, and I because even I don't wash my deer hunting clothes. I mean, none of us hunters ever hardly ever wash our clothes. 
but uh, if you did, it still stays there because it binds to the fabric of the clothes. So what permethrin does, it's, it's called a contact repellent. Now, we've all used uh, DEET, uh, mosquito spray and stuff like that. And the way DEET works, I want to give you a comparison so you can understand it. The way DEET works, it was created in 1945 for the military, and it's a wonderful product. Uh, you can get DEET in, in you know, 20 30%. If you get 100%, the only difference between 100% DEET and 30% DEET is that it'll last a couple hours longer. It's not any stronger. It just lasts a little longer. Okay. So 20 to 30% DEET is, is plenty adequate, you know. Uh, lasts for probably maybe six hours or so. You may want to apply it again, but it, it's probably better to use a, a little less uh, percentage. So what happens with DEET is the scent, the smell, the aroma of DEET is what a mosquito notices when it flies near us, okay? So when a mosquito's flying near and they smell that DEET, uh, it, 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 it interrupts their little uh, antennas in their brain uh, that are sticking out of their head, and it tells them there's no blood there. It kind of tricks them, okay? So then they fly off and there's no blood there. So that's how DEET works. Now, permethrin works on a whole different concept. Permethrin works on what they call a contact repellent concept. So that what that means is they don't notice it until they come in contact with it. Here's an example. I spray permethrin, of course, on the clothes when I, when I go in the woods. A couple years ago, I had a little black fly land on my thigh, on, on, a, on my jeans that were treated with permethrin. And this little black fly starts dancing around. It could sense the permethrin on, on, the, on my pants. And it was dancing around. We call it the hot feet syndrome. And if it could talk, it'd say, what the heck did I just land on? You're just driving me nuts. So then it flew off. And I say, cha-ching, I won because it didn't bite me. Now, ticks are different. Ticks are crawlers. They're going to get on, you know, your shoes, your, your pants, your socks, and they start crawling up. That's just by their nature. So what happens is a tick is crawling up your, your shins, you know, uh, on your pants, Every step they take drives their nervous system nuts. It drives them crazy. Normally, after 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, a lot of times they will fall off and die or die and fall off because they can't stand it. Wow. So what happens is, let's say a turkey under sitting out there, the ticks will start crawling on them, but they're not going to last very long on them. Okay? So that's the cool thing about it. And uh, I remember uh, a couple years ago, I had a, a, a cable company uh, uh, want to try this stuff. They had two of their guys uh, working on cable, uh, you know, climbing up and down poles uh, in a rural area here in the Upper Peninsula. And uh, at the end of the day, one of them had his clothes treated, the other one didn't. One guy had 30 ticks on him. The other guy had three. So you can imagine who had the treated clothes. Yeah. So like I tell people, and you're nodding your head here, of course, because uh, I'd rather take my chances with three than with 30. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. That's, that's kind of how that stuff works. And permethrin is great. Uh, the permethrin I work with on my website is, is, you know, is just really cool because the nice thing about it is it's a concentrate. And, you know, anytime you get a concentrate, you're saving money because yep. you're not shipping water. Okay? So the cool thing about most permethrin that you buy at a store is, is great. It all works the same. But it's good for six weeks. Or six washes, which is fine, you know. Uh, and hunters, I know hunters, I mean, are pretty much year-round guys, like uh, like yourself, you know. Yep. In the spring, you may be out looking for sheds, you know, for, for deer antlers. Uh, you may be turkey hunting. 
Uh, in the summer, you're looking, to, you're working on food plots. You know, <laughs> you're looking, you're working on your deer stand for that fall, whether it's bow hunting or rifle hunting. So it's kind of like a spring to fall type of people. Yep. They're out there. Yep. So what they can do with this type of permethrin is they can, uh, the more they mix in with the bottle, the longer it will last. So instead of just lasting for six weeks, they can mix it to last for three weeks, six weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks, up to 24 weeks. Wow. And okay. that's 24 weeks and 24 washes or nine weeks and nine washes. So it puts the customer in charge of how long they're going to make it last based on how much they mix in there. And it comes with directions too. Uh, but anyways, as long as somebody's using permethrin, that's the biggest thing. That's so, so important to use permethrin because it's, it's nothing better than that. Yeah. I've, so does that I, make sense? Absolutely. I've used it in the past. I had wonderful success with it. Um, you know, going in and out of the woods several times during a turkey season and not getting any ticks on me, which for me is a huge win, right? So I've had yeah. I've talked with guys before and, and recommended it and, and told them how well it works. And they say, well, if something works that well, it doesn't seem like it would be safe. So what can you tell me about how permethrin is made and what makes it a safe product for our use? It's been around for a long time, for sure. The military uses it on all their, on all their clothing. Uh, it's, it's virtually non-toxic. There are no uh, records, records of anything, of anybody having any huge bad effects with it. Uh, permethrin is only designed for skin, Okay. Uh, if you spray it, if you, if you were to spray it on your skin, you may have a little reaction to it. I mean, it's not going to kill you. That's for sure. You know, you wash it off. Uh, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll, it evaporates off your skin even too, after about 15, 20 minutes, but there's no, no records of any problems with it. So it's, so it's really safe. You know, if somebody wants to, they can use, when you treat your clothes, I should come back to that. When somebody treats their clothes, it's best to do that outdoors. Uh, I hang mine up spray them down outdoors, you know, with the wind behind your back, you know, so you're not spraying in your face. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no problems with it. I mean, because it's called an insecticide uh, or pesticide, I can't remember which, uh, but that kind of scares people, you know. Uh, but uh, the benefits, I guess, absolutely definitely outweigh any other possible thing that could go wrong. Sure, uh, sure. So, so that I hope does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about the application because I think you know if guys are used to using a product like Off or Cutter or something like that, you know they think about they take the can out in the woods with them and they spray themselves down right there on the spot. It's a little bit different with yeah. permethrin. So what's the what's the best way to apply? So you just mentioned hanging up your clothes and spraying it down, and then you just make sure it dries well and then store. Yeah, I mean just spray them down and uh, let them dry overnight. I mean, actually, about three or four hours, they'd be dry. I mean, uh, some people, I almost hate to say this, but some people actually spray right down on the spot while they're wearing them even. Uh, It will work that way. It'll work wet as well as it works dry. Okay. Uh, But when you do spray them down, you want your your pants stuff to get damp looking, you know, like they're they're damp. Uh, And that way you know you're soaking them pretty good. Uh, Same thing, I mean, I tell people, you know, shoes, socks, uh, clothes, you know, outer stuff. You don't do your inner underwear, stuff like that. Uh, but outer, so outer clothes where ticks are going to get on us first. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but I even have videos on my website about that too. Uh, you know, how to apply it and, uh, doing everything like that too. Uh, I, and even linemen like it because it's non-flammable too. So it's, it's very safe in that respect too. Nice. Uh, 
but yeah, spray it outdoors is the best thing on the ground or on a, on a clothes hanger, clothes line or whatever, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good question. So tell me about the, the brand that you use. So I, I've used, um, stuff that you basically pick up from tractor supply. That's not necessarily made yeah. for, for people. I've used Sawyer's before, which I've typically gotten, you know, it's pre-mixed. It's not concentrate. So what, is there a specific brand that you recommend? The, rec- the brand I recommend is the one I use myself. Uh, the Sawyer is going to work just the same as, as our stuff would. Uh, Sawyer is, a, is a, probably the biggest name out there. It's a retail brand. Uh, ours, we don't retail hardly at all. Uh, but it's good for six weeks, six washes. I've used it myself in the past. But, of course, I use my stuff now that I get from the manufacturer and have on my website. Uh, but nobody else makes the concentrate uh, designed for clothes. There's other concentrates that are out there designed for farmers, and it's, it's a little bit different application. Uh, it's more oily. There's more petroleum in it. Uh, it could have more of a scent to it than two for hunters because yep. <laughs> hunters don't want any kind of scent, that's for sure. Uh, so that's why I like uh, our concentrate that we can mix it because it's, it's the only one designed for clothing on the market. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and in reality, because you mix it yourself, you're actually saving – 50%. I mean, uh, you'd have to buy $80 worth of Sawyer to get our stuff for, like, say, 40 some bucks. Wow, so you're saving you know? a lot of money. Oh, yeah. You, you, you cut your permitment cost by half, yeah. by, literally by 50%. Yeah. And, and if, then it puts you in control of mixing it to your desire, whatever you need. Yeah. And I, uh, most so. guys that I know uh, who are outdoor enthusiasts, uh, one of the one of the constant battles that they have is their uh, their outdoors budget. <laughs> you know, like, uh, there's always that next gadget or that next thing to buy. So being able to cut your permethrin cost in uh, half is is pretty huge. Oh yeah, for sure, and it, it's so critical to it because I mean, Lyme disease or any kind of tick borne disease can be just so debilitating. I mean, it's just uh, it can just ruin your time. I mean, and uh, uh, I mean, I've come up even on my website they can they can download this for free. Uh, a couple of years ago, I came up with a little bulletin that, that I designed for safety directors at companies. And it's on the front page of my website. Uh, it's called a tick prevention safety guide. It's just three or four little pages of some really good content about tick prevention. Another one just next to that is called the hidden cost of Lyme disease, mm. uh, where they, you know, about, you may wonder well, what's a hidden cost. Well, you know what a hidden cost is? A hidden cost is not re- not understanding that you could get so sick from this that you're going to miss your kids' soccer games. You're going to miss weddings. Uh, you are so weak that maybe you can't hardly go to work. You may lose your job because you miss so much. Uh, so anyways, it's so important, and I want to get into this here probably next, is, is what happens when you do get bit. Even you did everything right, and sometimes a tick can still get through and still bite you. So I'm going to use, I have a little pet tick right here. That I, they can't see it, you know, uh, <laughs> but it's a little pet tick. It's probably, you know, you can see it there, Josh. But anyways, Let's say a tick is stuck on you, okay? The way you take a tick off can even make a difference. You want to grab right at the very base, the very base of it. You don't want to grab it by the body, which we have all done in the oh, past, yeah. myself included. You grab by, if you grab it by the body and you pull it off, you're, you're kind of squeezing it, okay? The sooner you get a tick off, also the better, because the longer they stay on you, the more apt they will be to puke some bad stuff in you, which you don't want. The quicker you get it off, the better for anything. So then the way you take it off is even important too. Grab at the very base. You may want to use a, like a little uh, 
uh, a fine tip tweezers, don't grab it by the body, or a little thing called a tick key that grabs right at the base and pulls it right up. Because if you grab by the body, you may squeeze the bad stuff out of it and into you at the time that you're taking it off, mm, which okay. you don't want. Okay? I tell people, be very gentle with the tick when you take it off. After that, I don't care if you save it or shoot it with a thirty out six, you know. <laughs> but be gent- you don't want to tick off a tick when you take it off. Be nice to it, and then you know, save it if you want to send it in to see if it, you know, if it needs to be uh, tested. Uh, but otherwise, uh, take it off very gently, okay. And then you want to watch that bite area, okay. If a little bit of the head is is still left in there. Uh, just wash it with soap and water. It'll probably, you know, come off in a couple of days automatically. Uh, and then, uh, if that bite reacts bad, uh, let's say a bullseye rash or any kind of bad reaction, or if you start feeling achy joints, flu-like symptoms, your vision goes funny, you don't have brain fog or anything strange like that after a, a couple of days, you need to see a doctor. Okay. And most doctors uh, will, if, if you have those symptoms, because some, the, the bad thing is sometimes we get bit and we don't even know it, all right? We don't even know it. So anyways, uh, if you get bitten, if you know it, and you monitor that bite and you have problems, see a doctor and tell them that, show them that. And in most cases, doctors on the eastern half of the United States, anyways, most of them will more than likely probably give you some antibiotics, which is called doxycycline, and that's probably the best thing for Lyme disease. Now, other tick-borne disease, they may have something different, but it's all about early detection and early treatment. I can't stress that enough. That is so, so critical, is take care of it in the beginning, those first few days or a week. Don't wait months out there, because then if you wait months to get it treated, then it's in your system, and it's really difficult to get rid of. That's where people really have the problems. So early detection, early treatment, watch for the, uh, a bad reaction. If you have symptoms after you got that, uh, please see a doctor. If they don't give you, if you have bad reaction like that and achy joints, flu-like symptoms, and they don't give you some antibiotic, go to another doctor. It's that critical. Yeah, yeah. It, it just has to be. That was going to be you my. Got to get take care of it in the beginning. That was going to be my next question. I know guys with the horror story of, I went into a doctor, I had these symptoms, I had these issues, and they missed it. And then I got a little better, and then a few months later I was sick again, and I went in again, and they missed it. And then you know it takes them months before they find a doctor or the doctor finally gets around to, it probably is from a tick bite. So how can we, especially as outdoorsmen, try to emphasize that when we're, you know, dealing with, with symptoms that could potentially be from a tick bite? You mean in talking to the doctor? Yeah, either talking to the doctor or just steps that we can take. Well, yeah, I, I, like I say, find another doctor if they don't give you something for that. It, it, it's that critical. Uh I'm not quite sure what else I should say other than that, sure. but that's it, it's it's so important. No, that that's really good. Because if, if, let's, let's, yeah, let, let's say let's say they wanted to do a test on it in the beginning. Okay, let's say you got bit today, uh, and tomorrow and three days from now, Monday, you, let's say you uh, you go to a uh, uh, next Monday you go to a doctor. Okay, and he said, well, I want to do a test on it. The tests come back so common, they're false in the beginning, because it hasn't been in your system long enough, okay? Interesting. Now, if they're in your system for six months, then they're more apt to get a positive result. But in the beginning, it's so common to get a negative result because there's not enough in your system yet, hasn't been there long enough. 
So uh, a lot of times doctors will give the doxycycline just based on the symptoms, not on a test result. Mm. Does that help? Yep, absolutely. And that's, that's so critical. That's huge, I think, as outdoorsmen, just to be aware of, right? Like, we are our best advocate when it comes to this kind of stuff. When right. you go to the doctor, you know you've been turkey hunting all week. You know you've been deer hunting all week. You know you handled maybe a deer that had ticks all over it. You know, you've got <clears throat> you've got to be the one that says, hey, I have been in close proximity with ticks. I want you to check this out or I want, you know, this. And is there any harm in just giving me the antibiotic because of these symptoms so that I can hopefully take a preventative step from this getting worse? Right, exactly. I like the way you worded that because uh, doxycycline is actually uh, the main go-to thing for Lyme disease, okay? Uh, And it's, it's, and I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV or anything (laughs) like that, but doxycycline is a pretty mild uh, antibiotic. Okay. okay. Yep. People use it for, it's widely used for all kinds of different things. I mean, I was on it when I had toothaches and stuff like that. Nothing to do with Lyme disease. Okay. Uh, so it's very wide and it, it can be dispensed pretty freely. Okay. So it's not going to hurt anybody, uh, to be on it for, you know, uh, a, a week or 10 days or 14 days, whatever. Yeah. So now remember that that's, that's Lyme disease. Okay. Other tick-borne diseases may react differently to us. I mean, other tick-borne diseases like uh, anaplasmosis, babesiosis, leukiosis, tularemia, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, Powassan, alpha-gale syndrome. Alpha-gale syndrome is what your audience does not want to get because that makes you allergic to red meat. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I okay. know. That sounds awful. Yeah, and alpha-gale, alpha-gale is more in your area, too. Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, that little area right there, it's more prominent there than it is in my area or up in the East, up in the New England area. And that's by a little uh, uh, tick with a little white dot on its back. It's called a Lone Star tick. That's the one that will give you that. Okay, now not everyone does, but that's the one that will give you that. So you have, basically have three ticks. You've got the, the black-legged deer tick, we call it. You have an eastern black-legged tick on the east coast, a western black-legged tick on the west coast. Uh, but anyways, you have the those little deer ticks, and then you have the, uh, the lone star tick with a little white dot. Then you have the uh, American dog tick we call the wood tick. Those are the three most popular ones on the eastern half of the United States. So that's, those are the three. And there's, there's more. There's about eight or 900 species of ticks in the world, uh, but we don't have that many here. We have plenty that, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> I don't like any of them. That's yeah. why I'm the tick terminator. That, that is like fuel for a nightmare oh. right there. Eight or 900 different species, different, different creepy crawlies that want to suck your blood and make you sick. Um, man, yeah. that is absolutely terrifying. So what, what am I missing then when it comes to being an outdoorsman, making sure that I keep myself safe? What am I missing? Maybe what do you see guys doing like missteps, like maybe even missteps in the prevention stage or missteps once they, once they get to the level of having symptoms, what do you see, you know, caught, that creates problems that could have been avoided? The biggest misstep I see, and people will admit this, they were, they were too lazy to put permethrin on their clothes, and then they got bit by a tick and they got Lyme disease. Wow. Uh, people have told me that. Wow. So, I mean that little bit of prevention that you could do could save you hundreds of hours of, of, of headaches. I mean, not hundreds of hours, years of, of anguish with Lyme disease, uh, expense. Lyme disease can be very costly too. I got a buddy almost, I spent 50 grand to get it fixed for himself. Wow. A lot of times insurance companies don't pay for it. 
So the few bucks that you spend on permethrin and the few minutes that you spend preparing uh, for that, you know, for your hunt, for your hunt, for your, for whatever you're doing outdoors is well worth it in the long run. Trust me, talk to somebody. I mean, go to online and look at people who have Lyme disease and other tick-borne diseases. It is miserable, miserable. So taking the time to treat their clothes, you know, and stuff like that. I got a poem when we're close to the end here. I'll, I'll tell you about all that kind of stuff too. So, uh. yeah. man, it, you know, most people that I know who are outdoorsmen, there's a routine, right? Whether we're fishing or hunting or hiking or camping or whatever we're going outside to do, we've got some kind of preparation routine where we're getting our gear ready. It seems like that would be a really easy step just to add in. You know, if you're going to, especially hunting, yeah. you're going to hang your clothes outside probably anyway to get rid of some of the scent. Why not use that as the opportunity yeah. to spray it all down? As soon as you hang it up outside, spray it all down, then you know you're going to be good to go. And it adds almost nothing to your prep. Exactly. I mean, I've never heard it quite worded like that, but you, you worded it perfectly. Yeah, that, that's exactly right for your audience. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, excellent point. I'm glad you made it like absolutely. that. Absolutely. So let's let's sort of fast forward a little bit as we get into those maybe day, two days, or maybe we're just back from the field, the importance of checking ourselves and maybe any, any tips for us as I, I come in and I do a tick check after a turkey hunt? Um, another little tip that you can do is let's say that you come in after a turkey hunt. Let's say you do find it. Let's say you did not uh, treat your clothes for whatever crazy reason, okay? And you have ticks on you. What do you do with your clothes? Here's a really mm. cool tip. You don't uh, lay them down in the house. You put your clothes in the dryer, not the washer. You put them in the dryer on high for about 15 minutes. That dry heat will kill all the ticks on there and then put them in a washer. Interesting. So if I just come it's in cool and store trick. them. Cool. cool trick. Because, see, ticks need moisture to survive. They can't stand too much dryness, okay? And a dry, uh, uh, dryer on high for 15, 20 minutes will kill them on your clothes. Interesting. If I just come in and store cool them, tip. let's say I take them off and throw them in a, in a clothing bin and then put them back on a week later. Are those, is there a good chance those ticks are still alive if I didn't store, if I didn't dry them? A week later, a week later, they probably would die because they can't take living in the house too much. Okay. But you think of where else they're going to go. I mean, they could crawl up on somebody else. Uh, yeah, they could be, they, they could crawl off from there. They may find a, 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 a damp spot, a place. Uh, but yeah, you should not do that. Yeah. So but, one yeah, thing, that, in dryer. one thing that I'm curious about, a lot of guys are using ozone these days to treat their clothing, to, to kill the scent or, you know, for me, it's just a way not to have to wash the clothing every single time I, um, go out into the woods, just run it through a quick ozone cycle. And it sort of takes care of any, you know, scent or sweat or nasty BO or whatever from the, for the clothing. Do you know if that has any effect on permethrin? So if I've treated my clothing and then I come in and run it through an ozone cycle, is that going to break down what I've done to treat my clothes or is it going to be fine? How exactly? I'm not, I, I've definitely heard of ozone. I'm not sure exactly. How does that work? Yeah. So with, enlighten me on that. Yeah. So. Well, I, I don't know a ton about it. Um, other than O3 is a really volatile mo molecule, which is what, you know, causes it or enables it to be able to bind to 
let's say you sweat it a lot and your clothes smell like sweat now, it binds to a lot of the odor-causing uh, molecules that are on your clothing and breaks them down, essentially robbing them of their scent-producing uh, capabilities or whatever. So I'm wondering if you spray down with permethrin and then you run it through an ozone cycle, if that volatile molecule of O3 is going to break down what you've put on your clothes. It's possible. I would probably okay. treat my clothes after it's been through that. Okay. Gotcha. I, I, I probably, I think we would probably agree on that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Doing it after that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Just in case. Right. Definitely. Cause again, it's cheap and it's yeah, easy. For sure. So awesome. Well, why don't oh, you, yeah. I mean, why don't you share the poem with me? I, I feel like I need to hear this. I've never heard a poem about ticks or tick prevention. <laughs> well, you never heard from the tick terminator before either. That's right. Here's how it goes. I hate, I hate them little suckers. I want to terminate them all. So I do with permethrin and love to watch them fall. From head to toe, I spray this stuff, my shoe, socks, clothes, and hats, because it works on more than ticks, like skeeters, chiggers, and even gnats. So I ask you, if you're listening, to keep away from Lyme, get started with permethrin, and now is the perfect time. Man, that's Thank awesome. That's awesome. I love that. So this <laughs> stuff works on more than, just, more than just ticks. It's good for mosquitoes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Now, a mosquito would land on, uh, on a permethrin-treated garment, apparel, or pants, and they'll sense it, and then they'll fly off. A lot of times it doesn't necessarily kill them because they're not in there, on there long enough. But like chiggers, too, in the south. I mean, you got chiggers down yep. there. Yep. Little tiny mice that, that drive people nuts. That definitely works on them, too. Okay. Awesome. So Absolutely. It, turkey hunters really need this. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm definitely going to be spraying my gear down before we get going here at the end of March. Uh, in Georgia, and then for, before my hunt for certain in uh, in Wisconsin, our area in Wisconsin, I think I read some crazy statistic like almost half of the ticks carry Lyme disease in our area, which to me is just a crazy statistic. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, Wisconsin is definitely one of the worst states. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, if folks want to learn more, they want to see more from you, maybe find, do you have any of your talks or helpful videos or things like that? Where can they find it? Uh, on the, the tick terminator.com, the tick terminator.com. Uh, like I say, I, I'm, I'm open to do a speaking engagements to it and say, uh, wildlife banquets or anything like that, you know, for, for hunters, things, things like that. Um, so yeah, they get a lot of good information on there. Uh, use this stuff on my front page right there for information. Uh, actually I'm coming out with a book, uh, here. I'm, I'm done with it. We're editing it right now. Uh, I, I can't decide what we're going to call it. I was thinking about maybe calling it Tick Suck, but I may call it something about the, the you know, <laughs> the battle with the enemy, but uh, it'll be a crazy book. It's just me talking in the book, you know, it's to, it's to help people with prevention, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> Brian, thanks for your time. I feel crazy. like, I feel like if you don't at least incorporate Tick Suck into the subtitle, uh, man, you missed an opportunity because that's a good one. So, uh, but I, I appreciate your time for coming on. What? Oh, is that your license plate? This is my license plate. It says Tick Suck. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> For the guys on, on the radio, it says T-I-C-S-U-C. Now, you don't want to know something else? My wife has plates like this, too. Hers says T-I-C-S-U-K. So we have real mat matching license plates. How romantic is that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never heard a tick called romantic, but like you said, I've also never talked to the tick terminator. So, uh, Brian, I appreciate <laughs> your time. Thank you for coming on the show today. Certainly lots of good information. Uh, if nothing else, keeping guys safe when they're out in the woods. And as I've heard for a lot of other things before, if you don't do it for, your, for yourself, 
do this for your family, right? You don't want to put your family in a compromised position with, with your health because of something that could have been easily taken care of during the preparation stage, getting ready for your hunt. So, Brian, thanks for coming on and uh, looking forward to seeing that book whenever it comes out. All right. Thank you. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.